Hello there. This is CSW, creator of Incarnation Red. If you enjoy Incarnation Red and want to help keep it going, support the show on Patreon via the link listed in the episode notes down below. In return, you'll receive a variety of perks ranging from a monthly Q&A slash horror gaming livestream to a chance of having a mini-episode made based off of you and your fears released on the main RSS feed for everyone to hear. Additionally, all patrons receive access to an exclusive patron-only Discord server where you can chat with fans and myself, watch live streams of pre-release episode editing, and join in on regular horror movie nights. I rely on your support to keep the show going, so any amount, no matter how small, will help me bring you more scary stories more often. Link is in the episode notes down below. Additionally, if you are a fan of audio drama podcasts in general and want early access releases plus bonus content from Incarnation Red, absolutely sign up for Apollo Plus, a creator-owned platform where every subscriber helps audio fiction creators for just $10 a month. You can think of Apollo Plus almost as the Netflix of audio dramas, offering exclusive content, ad-free and early access releases, behind-the-scenes content, supercuts, and a whole, whole lot more, all by supporting the creators you already know and love. With Apollo Plus, 70% of the revenue goes directly to us creators and provides all of us, both creator and listener, with a place to enjoy the shows we love, such as Afflicted, 13, and of course Incarnation Red, and a whole, whole lot more. And of course, Hemophobia, my upcoming horror podcast, will be there too, so join Apollo Plus through the Apollo Podcasts app or by going to apollopods.com slash plus, that's P-L-U-S. Incarnation Red is a horror anthology podcast and thus contains material not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. You don't want to go in there all by yourself, do you? Episode 4 Inherited I love my son. I do. At just seven years old, he's, he's the spitting image of our family. Handsome, well-behaved. He says please and thank you more than he says just about anything else. I, I don't think I've ever heard him say a mean thing to or about anyone. Just the other night, I was... I was tucking him in in his little bed, and he told me that even though there were other families out there, and he could have had a different family, he didn't want one. Because his family was perfect. Just perfect. These are the kinds of things he says all the time. Not like other kids. He's special. He's my little man. And one day I know he'll grow into a big man, brave and smart, and kind to everyone he meets. Just like his mother. And I've no doubt he'll be every bit as handsome. And, of course, what would a child be without the occasional eccentric comment? <laughs> Last night, during our little nightly tuck-in, he asked me... Asked me what I would do if I ever lost him. I told him not to, not to think things like that, not to worry about that. That I loved him very much, and I would always be there to protect him. 
I told him not to ever worry about things like that, because why should he? I would always be there for him, and he would always be there for me. Then he asked me, what would happen if he changed? I told him I didn't know what he meant. He asked what would happen if he wasn't the same person anymore. If one day he began to change and act so differently that he became a completely different person. What would I do then? I told him, well, I didn't think that was ever going to happen. Told him that he was one of a kind, that there was no one else out there like him, and I didn't think that was going to change anytime soon. He had come from this family, and because of that, he would grow up based on that bent. He wasn't going to up and become a different person. Then he said that if he did, who would be there to protect me? No one. But I know he'll never change, not really. Sure, he'll grow and develop like all children do as they turn into adults, but I know my son, and I know he'll always stay the same little man in his heart. Looking at him now on the living room floor, playing with his little action figures, what sight could possibly be more innocent, more inviolable? And I look at our house, at the walls, so stable. To protect us from the real world. I look at the fireplace roaring and flickering, bringing a warm contrast to the wintry cold. God forbid we feel. And I relive all the memories tethered to each surface, each piece of furniture. My son's first steps over by the television. Where will this last His first be? words on the floor just next to me. What will this last be? And I see the picture frames hanging. Little windows to our lives. Faces peering out. And each one perfectly captures and immortalizes a moment we've spent all together, encasing it in a permanent, undying perfection. Memories of our lives made everlasting. Because we need reminders not to kill ourselves. I, I, um, sometimes you need to keep your mind in check, right? Sometimes, sometimes you have to make sure you're not letting the bad thoughts or, or guilty, unnatural thoughts get in your head. Because that's just no good. It's no good for the head or for the heart. And when you find yourself thinking things like this, well, a little bit of positivity goes a long way. Just take that negativity and shine a big positive light on it, and it'll go away. That's what I believe. And looking at these pictures, pictures is one surefire way to get the positive thoughts going. They certainly help me. Pictures. They certainly do. It's getting late. I had a long day at work, and I'm feeling my eyes get heavier. I turn off the TV and tell my son it's bedtime. He doesn't argue, just says okay and starts putting his toys up. He's always such an obedient boy. I fold the recliner and stand up, stretch a little, then get myself ready for bed. That night, I tuck in my son, asking all my usual questions. How his day was, how he's feeling, if anything fun happened at school. My son seems... Distracted, quieter than usual. 
I put him to sleep and then head to bed myself. I slip into bed next to my wife, who's already asleep, then make sure my alarm is set, and close my eyes. But I can't get to sleep. Something is keeping me up. I turn and try a multitude of positions, but nothing works. I rub my face, sit up, and open my eyes. I slip back out of bed and leave the bedroom. Not knowing what else to do, really, I head to the kitchen for a snack. Maybe it'll put my body at ease. Opening the fridge, I see the chicken that my wife was planning to cook tomorrow. Like an entire creature's carcass in there. I... I look around it for other... Fresh from a slaughterhouse where its offspring were stolen from its body. Other other food, other snacks, I... Killed mid-disease, screams Benzies, lying paralyzed, begging for death. I, I'm excited for the chicken tomorrow. The chemicals of fear are still inside its meat. I, I think it'll be a... A casserole? What did its scream sound like when it died? I... I love my wife's cooking. Will I hear the scream when I bite into its meat? And I'm sure that my son will love it too. He is standing behind me. I turn around. See him standing motionless in the hallway. He comes closer. He says he had a nightmare. And he can't go back to sleep. I take him in my arms, pat his back, and remind him that nightmares aren't real. They can't hurt him, not at all. All they are is just bad thoughts piled up in the brain, and then the brain makes a dream out of them by accident. But bad thoughts don't mean anything, as long as you replace them with good thoughts. This part seems to confuse him. I give him some examples of a good thought. Like going on the playground, when mom makes cookies, or when the tickle monster comes, <laughs> and he manages to crack a smile once I start counting his ribs. I bring him back to bed, tuck him in once more. As he drifts off to sleep, I find myself drifting too. I go off to bed and fall asleep within minutes. My son's school is on my way home from work. Every day, I pick him up around 4.30, then drive us both back home to greet his mother. But on this day, it's 4.40 and I'm still not inside of the school. Traffic is horrible for some reason, and I'm stuck bumper to bumper for a long while. It's nearly 4.50 by the time I get to the school and beckon my son into the car, and he doesn't seem to be the only kid stuck waiting. I apologize to him, telling him that cars are being slow today, and so I had to wait for them to hurry up before I could make it to the school. He says it's okay. Doesn't seem to mind at all. <laughs> Always in good spirits, my son is. Faces everything with equanimity. Always able to focus on those good thoughts. <sighs> I like to think he gets this nature from me. At the next intersection, I find the reason for the traffic. There... Seems to have been a, uh... Car... Accident. Body inside. longer a person. Seems to be a, <laughs> a bit of a, a bit of a fender Both bender. Room for a body up as they're crushed blood on the pavement. 
I think no... No wonder traffic has been bad, but... We'll be home soon. cars covering people away to where the not people Wonder go. if they still have faces. My son asks what it is. He's never seen one before. I tell him that it's... Sometimes people die. Sometimes people turn into something that isn't sometimes people. Sometimes people feel their bones penetrate their organs and their blood becomes something that they swim in. I tell him that it's just a little... Little accident. Bastard staring at a glowing screen. That sometimes when people drive, they make mistakes and bump into each other. A crack in the but everybody's fine. How did you scream with a nobody's hurt? That is shredded. Just a little mistake, but nothing bad happens. Just bad things don't happen. Like this. They just don't. Not in his world. The car is silent for a while. Then my son asks me something. He asks, Why do we need reminders? I tell him I don't understand what he means. So he asks me again, why do we need reminders? We need reminders, reminders not to kill, not to kill ourselves. Not to kill ourselves. I look at my son in the rearview mirror. He stares out the window with lucid, unblinking eyes. His mouth is not moving at all. But it looks almost as if his eyes are smiling. Before I know it, we're pulling into the driveway. We enter the house. I kiss my wife, pet the dog, take my shoes off, hang my keys on the rack. My son is already playing with the dog, and my wife asks me how work was. I tell her it was all right. I set my briefcase down, then walk into the bedroom. I sit on the bed with the lights off. Just need to breathe a little while. After dinner, I relax in the recliner and watch the evening news. It was sunny today, but it's supposed to get a little stormy starting tomorrow. A storm that will carry throughout the week. Then a feature on a fundraiser run by a few elementary schools to benefit cancer patients. How kind of them, I think. Helping the world bringing positivity, the kind of thing my son would excel at. Then the main news, a stabbing inside a mall after an attempted robbery, a breaking and entering in a house on the northern side of town, Screams. a kidnapped and maimed teenager left almost dead in a creek, found two days later, Blood. a bomb threat in a school across the state, done by a delinquent who had been tried and acquitted of three rape charges within the last year. Mugshots follow mugshots, and bloody crime scenes one after another. The stories go by. We're all born with the dream of becoming a corpse. <sighs> then a commercial break. I glance down at my son to make sure he didn't see any of the news stories. But he's not even looking at the TV. Seems oblivious to it. Instead preoccupied by a crayon drawing he's working on. 
He's dragging the red crayon across the paper repeatedly, almost aggressively. I furrow my brow, lean over to see what he's drawing. It's a chicken. But not a whole chicken. The head has been removed. The legs have been removed. A wing has been torn off. Each piece is edged with messy red lines, droplets on the white ground. Large hands have collected several eggs, stained with red as well. Red crayon dribbles out of the disembodied beak. I stare at the picture. I vacantly hear the evening news resume. I keep staring. Then I look at the back of my son's head, at the dark silhouette of his brown bowl cut. From this angle, I can't see any of his features. His ears are covered. His face is turned completely away from me. I search the darkness of his head for familiarity and find none. I heard the scream. That night, I have trouble sleeping again. Something is keeping me up. I turn on one side. I try the other. Then I realize what it is. There's a sound coming from somewhere in the house. A muffled but sharp sound that I can't quite place. I get up, slip out of the bedroom, walk down the hallway toward the kitchen, and when I look up, I see something. A pale fluorescent glow illuminates a crouched shape on the kitchen tile. I rub my eyes, and as they adjust, I see that the pale glow is the internal light from the fridge, and the shape it reveals is my son. He's sitting on the kitchen floor, facing away from me. On one side of him, a carton of eggs. On the other, several broken eggshells, yolks splattered across the kitchen floor. He reaches and plucks another egg from the carton. I walk faster, come close to him, stop his hand as it's about to throw the egg. I tell him to stop, then pull myself around to face him. His eyes, which I expected to be closed in some sleepwalking state, are perfectly open, awake, not unlike the way they looked in the car yesterday. I hold his hand as it attempts to throw the egg again, and ask him what he's doing. He answers me simply, and tells me he's setting them free. I send him to bed, then clean up the mess of eggs. 
I make it to work the next morning. Maybe a little poorly rested, but I make it there, and I'm in good shape, and I'm ready to work, and I love my family, and at 12.30 I receive a phone call. It's from the school. I answer, and the, um, the woman on the other end is not happy. She says that my son, my son needs to be taken home at once. That he has been exhibiting some odd behavior at school today. When I ask for specifics, she doesn't give any, so I finish the conversation, pack up my work things, then tell my boss of the situation. He's sympathetic, lets me go immediately. My wife is at home, but has no car, and I don't want her Incapable to... Incapable of understanding. I, I, I drive to the school myself. I find my son sitting in the office. Tell him I'm going to be taking him home now, but I'm interrupted by the superintendent, the woman who had called me. And as I turn to her, I can tell that her tone is less of anger and more of unsettlement. She tells me it might be best if she and I talk one-on-one -on -one first. So I join her in her office. She tells me... Tells me that my son has been more or less repeating one phrase the entire day. When I ask what the phrase is, she... Hesitates. She says he first said it when he raised his hand to be called on in class. In answer to a math question. The teacher couldn't make much sense of it, so... She told him he was incorrect and moved on with class. But it happened again and again, each time with him raising his hand, answering it to a question that didn't fit his answer even remotely, at which point I ask her, ask her urgently, what was his answer? What was the phrase? She says it was... We are all born with the dream of becoming a corpse. But that wasn't all he had done. Apparently, once recess began, he... Well, I... I... He... He did things that... I'm sure would not be too different from any seven-year-old's misbehaviors. I I know my son. He he's not a monster or anything. He's not nearly as ill-behaved or cruel as the superintendent was making it seem. After all, on the playground, kids can get a little too rowdy sometimes. And I've no doubt that's all that was going on there. I've no doubt that that's the only reason I was called in today. I've no doubt at all that's the reason they found another child lying in the gravel, bleeding and screaming. Kids fall all the time, right?
Nevertheless, I take my son home, and my wife is concerned. Incapable of understanding. I sit on the bed while she walks around and around, her voice rising to a fever pitch of worry. I tell her not to worry, that all kids fall down, and I'm sure that's what happened, but... More than anything else, she seems most concerned by the phrase. Her ears a fountain of blood. By where our son heard it. By what messed up sicko may have said it to him. Or what dirty hole on the interweb he may have stumbled onto just by typing one wrong word. All to read the sickening phrase there. How could our son have said such a thing, she asks me. I am just the This boy couldn't hurt a fly. This boy says please and thank you. This boy smiles at everyone he meets. How could our son, the pinnacle of childhood innocence, a boy who doesn't have a dark bone in his body, how could he have said something like that? He must have heard it somewhere else, she says. Because something like that would never have come from his mind naturally. Not Not our boy. boy. Not his but that mind. damn computer, or the damn television, or, or something else to come out of the corrupt and damnable mess that this world has become. Hell. May as well be severed limb from guilty limb. She looks me in the face and asks me, "Are we bad parents?" I tell her no. No, we are not. We are not. All we ever tried to do for our son was to protect him from the wrong thing. To keep his world a happy one. When ours is not. To make sure he saw the good things in life. And make the bad things so much clearer. To keep him safe from all the negativity that is out there in the world. How could that be wrong? trouble sleeping. Daddy. Something is keeping me up. Come here, Daddy. So I get up, slip out of the bedroom, walk down the hallway toward the kitchen. But I don't look up. Don't look. I won't look up. In fact, I feel my body meeting the floor before I see anything. I'm big and strong now. It's loud, but I don't hear it. I'm big and strong. All I hear is the thick crunch as the cleaver in my son's hands hacks away at my elbow, (coughs) severing it from my body. Because 
exists nothing that a little positive thinking won't fix. I'm just like you, Daddy. Just a little positive thinking. Just like you. Investigation still pending, I'm afraid. I don't see many testable variables to this, but I will parse through the voicemail messages to determine authenticity. We'll follow up again. Suspend. Incarnation Red is created, written, narrated, and edited by CSW. The opening theme was written and performed by Annika Hansen. All music and sound effects used in this podcast are created in-house from scratch. For more information and regular updates, follow me on Twitter at CSW underscore horror or visit my website CSWHorror.com or like the show's Facebook page, Incarnation Red, as always, spelled R-E-A-D. For behind-the-scenes looks and other scary content, you can follow me on TikTok or you can follow me on Instagram at Incarnation Red. Thank you for listening.